Thank you for downloading The Luminous Mind, episode number 33. Every time I've gone over an edge, my wings appear or the net appears. Something happens that is beyond magical that you couldn't have anticipated. So my catchphrase is, what if wonderful? Benjamin Franklin once said, Do not curse the darkness, rather light a candle instead. If you are ready to set your mind on fire, then prepare yourself for the Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's fire starter is Susie McGuire. Susie's been blessed to spend her life following her heart and having the most delicious adventures all over the world, working with amazing organizations and people and exploring the wonders of the planet and humanity with her son. For more than 30 years, she's worked with some of the world's most leading companies, such as Unilever, Pepsi Company, and Facebook, helping the people who work with them become more powerful, more creative, and more impactful. She has supported teams that set out to solve huge and complex problems and develop leaders at all levels. She's designed and delivered many programs that were global in scale, truly transformational and heart-driven. The organization that she created 20 years ago still does amazing work, and she's the proud founder and CEO of that company. In the last 12 years, she's traveled the world with her son, visiting no fewer than 50 countries on four continents. So welcome, Susie, to The Luminous Mind. We have a great unschooler here that's going to give us an, an insight into what world schooling is like. So would you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about your family and maybe some of your hobbies and passions? Okay, well, um, I'm very delighted to be talking to you. My name is Susie, and it's just my family is myself and my son, has been from the beginning. And our passions are travel. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, we have been, I guess, um, now to maybe 50 different countries, many of them repeatedly. So um, they only, we only count them once having been there. But like Mauritius, we've been up a couple of times. Well, I've been nine times, actually. Oh, but, wow. Uh, Will's only been twice. And the, and the United States is, you know, like a second home. So, you know, we've crisscrossed that and been all over the place. So travel, we're techie. Um, we love gadgets. Um, we love tech. We are massive readers. We love the written word. We love stories. We love bringing our stories to life wherever we are. So we read Nar Chronicles of Narnia when we were living in a one-room cabin in northern Canada. Oh, and we were in Narnia. So big readers. We love movies. We love walking. I'm a great cook. Will is a great eater. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're we love all kinds of stuff. So how did you find yourself world schooling? Um, in your bio, you say you were an international management consultant. How did you go from that to world schooling? Uh, well, I was um, I was originally born in London. I was raised in the United States in um, uh, Chicago and Pittsburgh. And then my family came back to England when I was about 17, just after 10th grade. And my educational path kind of went crashing down at that point. And so my, I guess, um, how I 
sort of finished my education was really in a in a homeschooling unschooling really unschooling you know I just sort of flunked out of the school system and found my way and over the years training and development learning and development they were my things so I didn't have a high school diploma I didn't have a degree I didn't really have anything by way of English qualifications either but I was really good at selling stuff and I was really good at at, um, showing people how to do things and that eventually led to me creating my own training and development, learning and development consultancy. And we worked, you know, I was blessed to work all over the world with incredible clients. And that really sort of fueled my own passion for travel because at that point I had already been traveling. When we came to Europe, that was really like an explosion. Uh, You know, coming from Pittsburgh to London was an explosion of um, awareness of other cultures and you know Europe is so close and you know so then I was in Spain and then I was in Germany and you know this was incredible to me I had always had you know posters of other places I'd always had the French Riviera on my wall growing up in Pittsburgh and also the Bahamas Um, the idea of these places seemed very exotic to me so I you know I began very early very young to travel and explore these places so when I had my son which, you know, I was not expecting. I'd been told when I was 20-something that I would never be able to have a child. You know, he came as something of a, um, a miraculous delight. It was the most natural thing in the entire world for us to just travel. And so I think his, he was eight weeks old when we first did our first trip. We went to Saint-Tropez. And then by wow. the time he was a, <laughs> when he was a year old, we, I sold the house and we went – around Europe, 23 countries, 10,000 miles, just road tripping, just me and Will. In how, a tent. how old is Will now? He's 12. Well, he He's will 12. be 12 and he'll be, he'll be 12 in April. Wow. Um, <laughs> so we just had the most gorgeous time sort of kicking around Europe. You know, people are extraordinary. A, a woman traveling with a small child. I mean, we had people were so incredible and amazing and supportive. And, um, I can even remember the border crossing agent in Al- as we were going from Greece into um, Albania. Oh, no, from Albania. Where were we going from? Croatia, I think, into Albania. Somewhere into Albania. And, um, you know, there's donkeys on the road and chickens on the road. And it's really <laughs> like the middle of nowhere. And they were so sweet. They brought me to the front of the line. They let me change Will's diaper on, you know, the border guard's bed. And, oh, my goodness. You know, it was extraordinary. So... You know, we most people can't stand traveling with a child that young, just, you know, (laughs) through the town, (laughs) let alone across nations. So, oh, my goodness, we had such an extraordinary time and Will ended up being babysat by we went it was in 2004. So it was during the the Olympics in Athens. And we stayed there for about six weeks. And really, we went to the opening ceremony and we went to the closing ceremony and we met tons of um, athletes and Will ended up being babysat by um, a Hungarian Olympic athlete and her husband and their little boy. Oh, wow. Because they were staying at the same camp as us. And we ended up then meeting them at their home in Budapest in Hungary as we sort of circled back around the other side of Europe. So yeah, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. That's Um, great. But because I was steeped in that, I was, you know, I was accustomed to doing lots of road trips. I'd been in and out of Europe. I'd been all over the world. So, and I'm one of seven kids. I'm the eldest girl of number two. So babies were also just, you know, they weren't. I mean, you knew how to take care of one. Exactly. I knew I knew how to take care of one, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't over over cautious 
if, if that's the right word. I don't know what the yeah. word is. It yeah. didn't worry. In, in any way, it didn't worry me to take my one-year-old, <laughs> go ahead up into Europe uh, with him and attend. It probably scared the crap out of my family. But um, And so then we, you know, we sort of carried on. We did lots of other trips. We went to the Arctic when he was two and um, stayed at the Ice Hotel and did a big old, you know, almost like the Polar Express type experience across the northern parts of Sweden and no- Norway. We went to the Sahara. He had his third birthday in the Sahara, traveling with the Touareg. Oh, wow. uh, he had his fourth birthday in China. Um, we had his birthday cake on the top, the top of the Great Wall of China. Um, India, That's you know, we just crazy. sort of went everywhere because we could, and it was amazing. And then I always knew that he was not going to go to any kind of conventional school. Mm-hmm. Uh, my work had uh, really made it very clear to me that, that, well, from my own personal experience, that I had. I felt that I really blossomed out as soon as I came out of the system that was education and I really became to know who I was. And through my years of training and development with, you know, tens of thousands of people all over the world, it seemed to me really clear that so many people had lost something of themselves through the education process. Yeah. And they had learned more of what they could not do. Oh, that's um, an interesting thought. Right? Yeah. So, most of my work had been trying to help people recover a sense of their personal power and a sense of their own creativity and a, a, a sense of their own potential. So I had, when I had Will, I was kind of like, you know, I don't see myself putting him into that system. And I had saw, sort of thought that we would do something alternative, maybe democratic school or maybe a Steiner. But when it came to it, those options were really expensive and they didn't seem, you know, we went and looked at some Steiner schools but they just, we just didn't vibe off it. So home education became kind of what we did. And then we didn't really think about, you know, I just didn't get, because I sort of got the Steiner model in mind. And I thought, you know, they don't start, they don't go full time at Steiner until they're like 10. So, you know, I wasn't, I just knew, not aware of the sort of pressure of needing to, to, to do things. And Will was just always so curious. And I love learning stuff. And I love going places. So we were always, you know, off at some Iceni village or, you know, at the Roman baths. And, and living in Europe, being in Britain, there's so much history. Oh, there's yeah. so much extraordinary, you know. I mean, just the other day, we went up to the Royal Albert Hall and did a tour around the, the back of it. You know, and its history is incredible. You know, Will's done workshops at, the, at Westminster Abbey in London, you know, where Isaac Newton is buried. Wow, (laughs) you know and so we the world simply became this glorious place that we explored and then when he was about six I decided to fulfill a kind of lifelong dream of just getting rid of everything and you know we sold every last thing we went off with a bicycle and a tent and a small supply of money (laughs) and uh just a dream to to go so we then nomaded for about two years from when he was six to about eight Oh, wow. Um, Where did you go through that? Then? We went, um, we started in Canada and we cycled down. The intention was to cycle all the way to Boston. Um, but it turned out that my cycling plan was not my smartest ever. Plan. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we only made it to New York. <laughs> um, and it was, it was a little too hard and we hit two nor'easters and oh. it was all a bit like, Oh God. <laughs> this is the first time my plan has not worked. My cunning plan was not so cunning. Um, but uh, then we went across the United States. And, and then I very, very 
uh, fortunately, as a throwback from my old work, I got a, uh, a message from an old client who was then by then the head of learning at Facebook. And, um, and he said, would you, would you come and do a project for us? So, uh, of course the answer was, I absolutely, I will come and do a project for you. So we made our way across the United States and then we spent about five months in California while I did this project for Facebook. And then from where there, we went down to Mexico, we came back to Europe for a month and then we did our first transatlantic crossing, wow. uh, which was amazing. And we went up, uh, through like Iceland and Greenland um, and Newfoundland and down back into New York. Then we spent a, uh, six months in Canada. We rented a little cabin uh, on, a, on a lake um, in the middle of nowhere and had an amazing time there. And then, and then we went down the east coast of the United States and spent a lot of time in Florida. And then we did another transatlantic crossing coming down the southern part uh, of the Atlantic, passed through the Azores um, and Portugal and came that way back around. So so world schooling, I mean, you just came upon, came upon the philosophy just kind of naturally then, sounds like. Yes, we, you know, I never, it was sort of a, like, a, oh, that's what we're doing. And we, it, you know, it came to a point when we would be traveling and people would say, well, what about school? And I would say, oh, no, Will's home educated or homeschooled, where, depending where we were. And then it seemed like, but we're not at <laughs> We're not at home. <laughs> we're not at home. So we would just, we just started saying world schooling. And then when we saw the Facebook page for world schooling, I was like, Oh my God, that's what we do. That's that's us. That's what we do. Wow. So how has your paradigm or educational philosophy kind of changed over time and with experience? I think it's become, um, freer and freer. I can remember back at the beginning thinking that I would need to teach Will to read and then I would teach him to spell and then I would teach him math. And he, he just, I guess he was probably about seven and he was going, what does that say? What does that say? What does that say? What does that say? So we bought a pile of, um, Oxford learning books and we just, we just worked our way through them at the end of it. He could read. And then I thought, oh, you know, well, you know, in a couple of months we'll start thinking about spelling, but he then was just spelling. And I mean, not with no errors and complicated words like ghost, which is, you know, yeah, with the H and the yeah, with, with H, and he was so he was, and he would say to me, "Mommy, how how do I spell this one?" I'd say to, just say to him, "Just close your eyes, sweetheart. See if you can see it." And he always would be able to. Hmm. And so I don't really know how he learned to spell. Like we never did spelling. It's he probably just, read, just the reading, I would imagine. Right? And I have read to him since he was, you know, a tiny, tiny tot, and we still do. I still read to him. It's one of our favorite things to do, and. And the same thing happened with math. He just would start telling me about percentages or fractions or he would just start adding things up. And I would imagine being out in the world, I mean, you're interacting with people and you're doing math all the time. Yeah. You just don't realize so, it, I guess. You know, I just I just got pretty early on that I this is just happening and that I don't have to worry about this. This is extraordinary. And then once he got into things like, you know, tech computers and tech and gaming and things like that, I mean, he's blown my mind, frankly. And now I am very firmly of the view that I would not impose any restriction on where his mind wants to go because there is all I would be doing would be limiting him. You know, like his mind is so it goes in so many extraordinary uh, ways. 
So have you kind of found that as he as he finds stuff that he loves, it ex- expands the learning, and and that's how he's learning all the math. And like you said, when he got into the computers, I mean, that's kind of how he's been able to expand all of those types of desires, right? I mean, those types of learning. I mean, we call it, well, I've come to call it love-based learning. Um, I'm not an enormous fan of the unschooling thing. It's just got a sort of slightly negative connotation. But love-based learning, he, when he loves something, it's extraordinary to watch him. I love how you change that because it does, when you say unschooling, it just sounds like people aren't learning. Yeah, he's learning the stuff that he loves. And, and effortlessly and and with such a, you know, a, a diligence. I, I can wa- I, I watched a TED Talk not that long ago where a lady was talking about the importance of grit and, and the importance of, of getting our kids to, to have grit and, you know, to, be, to stick at stuff and in a school context. And I thought he desperately wants to figure out how to change the code in his Minecraft, the back end of his Minecraft. He doesn't want the swords to look like diamond. He wants them to look like emerald. He wants it to say emerald. So he just dives in and figures it out. And I don't even know how he does it. But the determination that he shows once he's decided he wants to do something is phenomenal. Yeah. Like you said, you don't want to stop that. <laughs> so I don't so, want to get in the way of that. So have you ever received any really great advice that you would like to share with us? You know, when I very first got pregnant with Will, uh, there was a lady, um, uh, <laughs> I, I always used to call her Mrs. Pooh. I can't even remember the, the, the derivate, why I called her Mrs. Pooh, but she became Auntie Mrs. Pooh. And she said to me, say no as infrequently as possible. Like, yeah. use that word sparingly. And that has been the best advice that anybody, apart from like the sleep advice when you first have your baby, (laughs) someone said to me, when they're asleep, you be asleep. And that was amazing advice. But I think that parenting advice that I hold dearest to my heart and has, I have found to to be most right is, is don't say no, unless you absolutely have to. Yeah. Trying to find a way to, to answer them without using that word. I mean, you're just rephrasing things in a way even doesn't stop their learning, right? Is that what you're meaning? Well, just if he, because, I mean, Will is a, Will is, <laughs> Will by name, Will by nature. Um, he's a very determined uh, a chap. And he will, he, what, what I find is that when I have said no to him about something, he will say, well, let's consider it from this point of view, mommy. <laughs> He will come at it from another place that will often make me, you know, is often given me pause for thought to think, well, actually, yes, why, why did I say no? And I'm really conscious that even though sort of post 16, 17 years old, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't really educated myself. You know, I was kind of unschooled or love-based learning or whatever. They're still in me. I, you know, I was in the system for still for a long time. Yeah. And so I still have sometimes this sort of default setting, which Will does not have. And so I've learned to really listen to the case that he makes. Um, And it pretty much always I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, I can I can see that, you know, and and so I've just given up on no. Well, it sounds like if anyone needs to be unschooled, it's us that went through the system. We have to come out of what we what we know and uh, learn something new. Well, it's not even, you know, it's just trigger, right? It's just a 
you're not, it's programming. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, a lot of people use schools as, as their socialization base. What do you think about socialization and what do you think it means to be socialized? Um, to me, to be socialized means that you can um, participate in community and that you can um, be amongst other people and be a, a sort of positive uh, addition to society. And, you know, Will is, he will effortlessly speak to anyone and everyone of any age. And it doesn't matter the setting. Um, he will uh, go and play with it. He will go, you know, we might be in the supermarket and there'll be a baby crying. He will wander over and he will calm that baby right down. <laughs> <laughs> and he will talk to the mother and he will say, your baby's so cute. Or, you know, he's very expressive. We are, I think we've been blessed to through all of our travels. I'm very outgoing. I delight in meeting people. So wherever we have been, we have always found, even if it's been, you know, I guess a little bit like even from the beginning where we end up making friends on a beach in Greece, and then we end up, you know, kind of visiting them in their home in Hungary. You know, lots of examples like that, where we're just engaging with, with people all of the time. And you know, when we go on our when our, our transatlantic crosses, we're, we're always sitting at tables with interesting people. But wherever we are, where we're sort of for a period of time, you know, Will will join, you know, maybe the Scouts or, uh, you know, a, a kids group. We've been based here in the UK for nearly, uh, well, I guess three and a half years now. And we are so, so blessed here to have, I mean, there are home educators um, everywhere. Yeah, there's growing loads of us. So, you know, two and a half years ago, I guess I said it will got into Minecraft as did, you know, all the kind of kids about his age, we set up a Minecraft club. So everybody came to our house um, every other Wednesday, and initially for three hours, and then we made it six hours. And oh, my goodness, it's extraordinary. He goes to a youth club every other Wednesday, opposite Wednesdays to Minecraft club, we have a big social gathering where, you know, families of kids all ages we all meet up there's a film club there's you know so it sounds like he has plenty of peers that are friends oh my goodness so many and i think what's been absolutely gorgeous is that even though we left the uk for a couple of years and then came back most of the the kids that he is friends with now he's been we have known since he was five wow um and they're all just sort of hitting uh you know adolescence and it's gorgeous to see all these, this wonderful group of kids. Um, we're all on the same journey. They all go to each other's birthday parties and sleepovers. And so we're blessed yeah. to have a, a, grow, a, a large and growing community. Well, luckily uh, it is growing. That's one of the wonderful things about, um, you know, with the internet, like the technology, we do see a yeah. lot of people that are pulling away from the socialized institutions, you know, <laughs> that yes. we all know. So, so what would you say the biggest obstacle you face is and what have you learned from those? Um, I think the biggest obstacle for us has not been anything to do with us. Um, or anything to do with Will's learning, that just is a beautiful and natural process. The most difficult, and it, it's not even an obstacle, really, because it doesn't stop us or or cause us to, to change course. But I'm always fascinated by other people's reactions to what we're doing. And I have to say that probably 98, 99% of people that we meet out in the world are like, just wow, 
you know, particularly when we're traveling and people are just so positive and just like, oh my God, what an amazing education. Yeah, everyone's probably like, wow, I'd love to be doing that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you're living the life everyone else wants to be living. The number of people who are like, I want you to be my mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's really interesting is that I think it's the people that are closer to us that have had real, you know, have had concerns. Oh, yeah. And um, which is an oddity, really. It's one of those sort of fascinating things. But I guess, you know, they have a vested interest in in both of us. So, you know, when I do, uh, you know, when you head off into, I, I mean, I guess families are the same. And you head off into Europe on your own with a one-year-old, um, you yeah, know, your grandma family. freaks out. <laughs> <laughs> grandma was really good, actually. I think they were, they've been, you know, honestly, I think they've been, they've been fantastic. But I think that has been, there have been times when I have struggled with, their concerns. Well, and they, it seems like at least in my situation, my family's the first one to tell me how all the ways it's going to fail. <laughs> yes. You know, nobody else says anything, but they do. <laughs> they do. And, and I have, and I think, you know, I've sort of coined a little phrase, which when people start saying, but what if this terrible thing happens? Or what if this terrible thing happens? And I have to say from all of my experiences, what if wonderful happens? Yeah. Because wonderful has always happened. Uh, so, you know, from the lady who came over and helped me do my dishes one night, because she had watched me all day with my son, and she just came over, she was, like, she was just like, oh, you know, I've watched you all day with your son, and you have such a beautiful relationship, and, you know, now he's in bed, and you've been nonstop. Hey, she said, I just want to help you do your dishes. Oh, wow. <laughs> we, were a, we were in a campsite in Luxembourg, <laughs> and um, I've had such gorgeous support and that's wonderful so so is is, uh not living with fear is that one way you combat your discouragement i mean because we all have those we have times where as parents you know we're feeling discouraged about the direction that we're going how do you combat that um you know i think uh when i think about um my life and the choices that i've made i've been very blessed to be able to really just follow my heart even though sometimes following my heart looks like a really crazy decision for other people <laughs> but it's always 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 paid off it's yeah. always come out absolutely right it's always come out better than I could have imagined I mean like you know when we went traveling we went nomading and I sold everything and we went out and I really didn't have a plan I had a bicycle a six-year-old and a tent and a very finite amount of money and no job and no income stream oh, and then you know out of the clear blue yonder comes an old client saying, would you like to come to Facebook and do a contract for me? And, and off the back of that piece of work, I, I didn't have to work for two years. Oh, wow. So to me, and I, you know, I didn't know that that's what was going to happen. I could never have predicted that in a million years. But every time I've gone over an edge, my wings appear or the net appears. Something happens that is beyond magical. Um, that's, you couldn't have anticipated. So my catchphrase is, what if wonderful? Yeah. And, and that seems to soothe the fears of others and reinforces my um, confidence in my heart. So if I'm making a decision, if my decision, the decision is from my heart and I feel completely aligned in every 
regard with the decision that I'm making, then I don't worry about it. I have no fear. And I've noticed too, that when I do that, when I follow my heart, I'm happier in the end. You know, if I followed everybody else's advice, I think I would just be walking around (laughs) with a horrible, you know, sad look on my face. And maybe that's why so many people do is that they're too busy following the crowd and what everyone else thinks instead of following their heart. And I think sometimes when when you, when you follow your heart, sometimes you fall on your face, you know, but those big sort of bumps are, you know, you heal from them. I think what is more soul destroying is this low level discontent. And you have to, and the, the failure really does allow a learning experience if you exactly. let it. So exactly. So, yeah. so I'd rather do that. I would rather fly and fall and get back up again than just be part alive. Yeah. Just be walking along. <laughs> so yes. Awesome. Before we go on, let us take a minute and hear about our sponsors. Hey, Firestarters. This is Mark, producer of The Luminous Mind. If you're like me, the thought of going out to the store and shopping is enough to make you want to crawl in a hole and hide. If that's you, then do your shopping online through Amazon. Just go to theluminousmind.net, click on the Amazon link, and shop away. Also, most of the books and resources that Rebecca and her guests discuss can be found on our Amazon links as well. Again, if you're like me, you have already accidentally signed up for Amazon Prime. So most of those purchases should have free shipping as well. Good luck. So what are some successes that you've seen? We've talked a lot about how Williams just led his education. What are some other successes that you've seen? I, what I love is his, um, is the way it all sort of melds together in his mind. Um, one of my favorite things we, we, every year we do charity stuff, um, of some kind, two, two or three different charitable things. And we had, um, there was a big, uh, East Africa, East African crisis. I think the summer that we were first back here and we read the story and I, it literally had me in tears of this, this woman who was walking with her children and one of her children was dying and she had, she, she couldn't carry them all and she had to make a choice and she had to leave one of her children by the side of the road. And I was so in pieces about this. I know that. And I was in floods of tears and Will came over and he's like, mommy, what do you, I said, well, we have to do something. And then I thought, you know what, this is, this is a crisis where women are walking with their children. That's what we're going to do. We're going to walk. So we made a big sign and we put a big, uh, you know, we made a charity page and we went and we walked, we walked 15 miles and we got up in the morning and we walked 15 miles. We raised, I think nearly two and a half thousand pounds, which is probably three and a half thousand dollars in our, in our walk for the day. Wow. And so it's a very palpable success. A couple of weeks later, Will said to me, mommy, I want to do my own challenge and raise money for the children. And so he said, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to read 21 books and in two weeks. So I was like, okay, that's awesome. Will you make me a page, mommy? I have absolutely make you a page. And then he couldn't choose. So no, I'm going to read 36 books, mommy. No, I'm going to read 42 books. So he ended up with this pile of 42 books, all of which were over 100 pages each. 
Wow. And they were uh, history books and science books and like the horrible histories, the horrible science books. They were, there was some Shakespeare. Uh, there was some horrible <laughs> Henry. There was all kinds of stuff in there, but 42 books, all over a hundred pages to read in two weeks. He was eight years old. Wow. <laughs> and he decided that he was, he had to read 400, I think an average of like four, just under 400 pages a day to get there. And he did it. Wow. And we made him this chart and, and every day he would chalk off the books and probably at about day, probably about day nine or 10, he was flat. He was like, oh, because 400 pages a day is a lot for anybody day after day. Yeah. yeah. But he, you know, he dug in and he did it. And I think that was one of my most amazing to see him decide to do something. Definitely don't tell him that he's not going to. I mean, for t- what did you say? He was eight and he was reading Shakespeare and he was eight. <laughs> Things like that. they were children's. They were children's adaptations of Shakespeare. So they weren't the original Shakespeare. But still, it's, it doesn't but sound like easy reading. <laughs> so. It was. Uh, it was extraordinary. And then my other favorite, I think, favorite story was um, a couple of years ago, and he'd had a big year. You know, he he learned to do a whole bunch of stuff. And I said to him, hey, sweetheart, you know, what would be awesome if you write down all the things that you're now capable of doing at the end of this year? And he was like, oh, that's a good idea, mommy. And he went away. And like two minutes later, he was back and he handed me this piece of paper. And it just said, I am capable of anything. Oh, wow. And that sits on our fridge to this day because I was, kind of, I was blown away by it. That that is what his, this style of education has given him, this instinctive this intuitive, this effortless sense that he can do anything. And I think that is, I, I almost felt like sort of going, well, my, my work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> because what else do you need? A sense that you can do anything and a, and a confidence that you can, yeah, I was kind yeah. of. Yeah, we all so. wish we had that kind of education, you know, where we. We yeah. felt confident like that. That's great. So what are some personal habits that you have that help add to that success, do you think? Um, I guess I'm just always doing new stuff. I'm always thinking, I would like to make this thing and I have no idea how to do it. <laughs> and so Will sees me all the time um, figuring stuff out and making things happen where I don't have any idea. So I, I'm just later tonight, I'll be launching my website. And I've built this little website. I had no idea how to do it. You know, a week ago, I'd never done anything like it. So I think I am constantly role modeling. That's... And I'm role modeling an excitement about learning new things. And, and that's the best mentor that you could do. I mean, and be for will. So uh, what are some benefits? And we talked about some successes that we see. What are some benefits that you have as a family from being able to choose this lifestyle? It's just so relaxed. It, it is life in the flow. We have... Um, that probably adds to your, how wonderful your relationship is when you're talking about that lady talking about that. It really, yeah. you know, it really does. I think it's... You know, we get up in the morning and, and sometimes we have things that we're going to go and do. And Will does a lot of different activities. But our days at home are so gentle. And, you know, I'll say, what do you think you'd like to do today, Will? And, uh, and he says, what are you going to do today, Mommy? And, you know, we think about things that we want to do together. Um, but, you know, often we're just bumbling around 
doing our own thing and sort of having hugs in the middle and he'll say, can you look at what I've made here, mommy, and come and have a look at this and I'll go look at what he's doing and then I'll say, hey, well, look at this. And he'll come and look at what I'm doing. And so there's this just lovely flow to our days. Um, You're not beholden to anyone else's schedule. (laughs) We are not beholden to everyone else's schedule. um, We're really blessed to live near the river, near the Thames. And so on sunny days, you know, we'll just take our bikes and we might cycle along the path and we'll stop halfway, maybe at Hampton Court, um, home of Henry VIII. Then we'll sit and have our sandwiches in the garden and then we'll carry on to Kingston where, you know, named for... Uh, it's the king's town. It's where the, the coronations used to take place. And, we'll, you know, there's the coronation stone we'll eth- where Ethelred un- the Unready was crowned, you know. That'd be incredible. <laughs> I gotta come visit you. <laughs> you should, absolutely. So, you know, our days have this gorgeousness to them that I think is precious. So what are some long-term goals that you guys have for yourselves? Um, we really want to do some more traveling um will is desperate to go back to the states and it's been far too long since we were there um (laughs) so yeah travel is always a big feature for us mauritius as well we're both dreaming of going back there and i i guess we're not like wildly ambitious but we're very now we're very in the now and very um i like staying now and sort of responding to what I feel. So I'm very excited to be, you know, sort of launching this website and I'm going to be doing, um, you know, some exciting work, I think, with people, helping people to live from their heart, live, you know, follow their dreams and do what they love. And and um, so that's very exciting. But in terms of, you know, gigantic five-year, 10-year goals, we don't, we don't really do that. Um yeah, I, I like I enjoy the flow and the discovery of what's next. Yeah. Of what it wants to come from us both next. So what advice? I mean, you talked about helping those, uh, you know, live with this love of learning. What advice or encouragement would you give to somebody who wants to take this on, live this lifestyle? I would say find as quickly as they possibly can a sense of trust in the process. And find as quickly as they can a sense that, um, you know, their child has, I, I think we see, we all see, if you have, I come from a big family, so, um, you know, it's, it's perhaps more obvious to me, but every single one of us growing up in the same environment with the same parents, we're so different, you know, That's true. <laughs> our, our interests and our, our characters were different from the outset, you know, we you know, it's, it, I guess it's like a, a seed, any seed, whatever, every, everything that it's going to be is already in the seed. And, you know, I often think of my role with Will as sort of, he is, he is the seed, he's growing into um, the person that he came here to be. And my job is to hold space for him and to nourish and provide resources and the love and support for him to become who he was you know, there's no point in me thinking I'd like him to be a watermelon when he is going to be a sunflower. Yeah. So I think trust the process that, that learning happens naturally. Trust that whatever the, the child is interested in is integral to who they came here to be. And do your best to hold space 
for them to be and give them your trust. Give them your belief in them. Do your best not to impose what you think they should be learning. Yeah. You can't uh, make goals for somebody else, for someone else's life. So You can't. But I think people struggle to, to, to give children that level of trust. And there is there is a fear about but you know they and we have lots of expectations that by eight you should be able to do this and by nine you should be able to do this by t- a 10 year old should be do this. we're so embedded in that kind of testing and achievement and yeah assessment points that if you said to somebody well you know he'll read when he wants to read so it's like, <laughs> you can hardly breathe for the, you know, the salt. but when what if he never learns to read and you're kind of like of course he'll learn to read in the he, same way that no he, baby will end up as an adult in a diaper it just isn't gonna <laughs> it's not gonna happen <laughs> that's for sure that's great advice so you have any favorite books or resources that you like um or that you want to share and maybe I mean maybe something that you guys love to do maybe well you say you're techie so <laughs> you have a website that you like to share we are techie um well I am just I am just sort of launching my my little website do you mean a web, like an educational resource website yeah yeah something like that um, something that we that we look to uh, do you know I don't know that we do particularly um we love I love um Peter Gray and his work on the importance of play I love um, John Holt and I love um, John Taylor Gatto I also love things like uh, Victor Frankl and um, Paolo Coelho and you know this sort of I think there's a lot to be learned from things like Victor Frankl and his you know man's search for meaning um, that sort of thing tends to inform how I approach life I find that very I think we are all in, on a search for meaning um, and I think children are too. So lots of, lots of different things. Yeah. Also Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of my favorites, <laughs> I have to say. So, so what changes would you like to see in the world in the future? I would like to see um, all of us living from a heart space. And I would like to see all the decisions that we make be, be bold and brave and not um, fear-based. I think so much of what happens in the world is fear-based and comes from a place of scarcity as opposed to uh, from a place of abundance. So I'm very, but I'm incredible. I find myself incredibly hopeful about the future. I was saying to somebody the other day, because all of my work I do for, on a donation basis. So free at the, at the point of delivery, if you know what I mean. Wow. And the, the exchange is, is the, the sort of means of, or method of exchange is, is love. And I'm very fascinated to see that McDonald's is currently running a campaign where they are giving food for free to people who do little acts of love, like calling their mom. Oh, and wow. Saying, I haven't heard about that. It's just so sweet. And Coca-Cola has just done, you know, neither of these companies would I purchase their products. <laughs> but it fa- sort of fascinates me that, that Coca-Cola is doing a, you know, a, a, a lovely campaign um, about making the internet less angry and beastly, you know, and bringing happiness and love. We haven't talked too much about your financial, you know, how you make all these find this work financially, but maybe if you offer or if you give uh, value to somebody else's life, it always comes back to you. I mean, do you find that true? I do find that true. And, you know, we've been really, I've been really blessed. I mean, the work that, that I have done is really well paid. 
and, you know, almost ridiculously well paid. Like I said, you know, I did, I worked for Facebook for, I don't know, 14 weeks and then I didn't work for two years. Uh-huh. Um, I need to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, that's a throwback from the work that I did in, you know, in consultancy work is, is really crazy well paid. Um, and, you know, I worked really, really hard and learned a, a lot of stuff to be able to do that. But um, I always did that work from my heart and my business just grew like crazy um, because I think people sense that they know they know um, when something is is full of love and full of the very best of, of what you have to offer. You, you just feel the difference um, between that and something that's being just done for money. Yeah, so I have never worked for money um, yeah. and I've been very blessed to think. And then we, and then at the back end of, of that two years, I very unexpectedly had an inher- inheritance, um, which I never, ever would have seen coming. So <laughs> sort of, we had a couple of years where we were able very gorgeously to live off that. Oh, that's great. Uh, so before we say goodbye, is there any parting words of advice that you have or maybe a favorite quote that you'd like to share? And then could you go ahead and give us um, how we can connect with you? Um, parting words, I think just to say that if it is in your heart to do, to, to go on this path, whatever that home education path looks like, and there are so many different modalities and there are so many different ways of approaching it. And within, you know, our group of, um, friends and home educators, there are so many different ways, but I think we're all on this journey of wanting to empower our children and to, um, you know, to free them from that systemic, coercion that I, I would simply say trust that trust that and 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 go for it it's, I think the so many people think the human spirit is just evil from the get-go or something you know that it so, somehow has to be coerced or else it's not going to make good decisions <laughs> and I think that complete opposite I yeah. think it's a, just a purity and a wonder that um and I see it in will you know this um effortless beauty and wonder that he he brings to the world and the way he sees the world because he's never been forced to do anything and yet he grows and expands and does like like the book reading right yeah you know people say but oh kids will not be they won't be they are how do you get in how many People, how many teachers in the world would love to have an eight-year-old boy who would read 42 books on science, history, and Shakespeare <laughs> in two weeks off their own back? And that, that to me, is what happens. Well, and it's, it sounds like he's still a great, loving person, too, you know, that you don't have to force him to be good. He makes those good decisions all on his own. He does so, make good decisions. And I think the only way to learn to make good decisions is to make decisions, yeah. And some years ago, someone said to me, you know, uh, good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. You have to make a, you have to make bad choices. You have to choose to do something and then go, oh, that was not wouldn't I wouldn't do that again. So, you know, freedom is the freedom to choose good and bad choices. Yeah. And I think that's that's sometimes what people struggle with. They want to protect their children from making bad choices. But by protecting them from making bad choices, we we pretty much make it so that they, they can't choose how to, you know, they can't make good choices just on their own then. 
They can't. You there's so. no there's no path to good judgment other than through bad choices. <laughs> It's the path that there is. So that's great. So how do we connect with you then? Um, I am uh, the the website, which will go up later tonight. I'm launching it at the full moon at 11.09 p.m. um, uh, here in the UK is alovedoplife.com. So that's A-L-O-V-E-D, lovedoplife.com. And uh, yes, hopefully there will be a web um, a Facebook page as well. You know, Susie, thanks so much for joining us. Our, our listeners don't know this, but we had some trouble connecting. So I really hope that you keep in contact with the Luminous Mind. And I would love to have you on here again and just tell us about your travels because I'm just so intrigued by, you know, this is such a different um, sort of uh, paradigm that I think we need to hear more about it. So, oh, well, I would love to talk to you again, Rebecca. So, and, and when you get your website up, let's let's connect again and find out, you know, what what kind of people you're helping and and how we can help you. So, that would be wonderful. That would be great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Luminous Mind. To learn more about Susie McGuire, go to our website, theluminousmind.net. Also, be sure to make all your Amazon purchases through our widget on our website. That helps us continue to grow. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Google+, subscribe to our YouTube channel, as well as iTunes and Stitcher. Tell us what you want to hear so we can continue to light minds on fire and change the paradigm of education. 